0: secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard. This is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Audrey Nivenegger is a visual artist and author who's The Time Traveler's Wife and Her Fearful Symmetry were bestsellers. Her latest is Ghostly, a collection of ghost stories. She'll share her work and her processes when she's a Thurber House guest on Wednesday, November 11th. Welcome to Craft, Audrey Nivenegger.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, Ghostly, as I uh, mentioned, was an anthology of ghost stories. How did you make the choices for the stories in your collection?
1: Uh, The the idea for the collection actually came from my editors in uh, the UK. And um, because my second novel was a ghost story, they decided that I would be a good person to choose a bunch of ghost stories. So I was working with them, and we were having a fantastic time passing around favorites, and uh, kind of obscure things, because we decided early on that we wouldn't just um, go for the obvious, and that was, that was lovely, because it was a challenge to find things that haven't been anthologized to death.
0: Mm-hmm. You have a, a story, uh, maybe the lead story, I think, called The Black Cat, by Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. You know, I'm not actually very familiar with that story. I was wondering if you could just give us a, a gloss on it.
1: The Poe story is the earliest thing in the collection and I was attracted to it partially because my own contribution has to do with cats but also because it isn't... I mean, all Poe stories are famous. I mean, Poe certainly has his very, very devoted fans but that one, you know, it's not as well known as something like The Telltale Heart or The Fall of the House of Usher and um, it concerns a man who starts off as... A real animal lover and a kind person but he falls into the clutches of demon alcohol and um, it changes his personality and he becomes rather abusive to his pets particularly to his very favorite which is a black cat and um, he succeeds in doing very horrible things to the cat and uh, the cat manages to get revenge
0: well as cats do Uh, I have a a cat who doesn't recognize her litter box, so I I understand that. I was wondering whether there's a connection between your story, Secret Life with Cats, and the black cat. Was this an inspiration for you as you are writing your story?
1: Uh, Not particularly, Um, though I had read it before. The inspiration for my story was um, an experience I had when I was... uh, looking for a kitten to adopt, and I was hanging out at one of Chicago's uh, wonderful cat shelters, which is in a house. And this cat shelter has, oh, I don't know, probably hundreds of cats. They're just all over, (laughs) wall-to-wall cats. And they take very good care of them, but there are a lot of cats. And it got me thinking about um, how odd it is to see a normal house that's completely given over to cats.
0: That sounds like terrifying to me, because I'm allergic to cats. Oh, no, you
1: just die in this place. (laughs) Right,
0: you've already made me scared about uh, reading the piece. You also did illustrations for each piece, as I understand it. Tell me about what guided you there. Uh, What made you uh, read a piece, know a piece, and then say, this is the kind of illustration I want to have for it?
1: Well, one of the best things you can do as an illustrator is to make something that doesn't just depict what's going on in the story, but that somehow comments on or extends the story in some way. So I was trying to uh, to do that. and it's it's interesting the the designer of the book is uh, Suzanne Dean, who's one of the greatest living book designers, and I was very excited about collaborating with her and we agreed at the beginning that um the motif for the visual aspects of the book would be that things would start off very dark and move toward lightness and so if you if you look at the book as an object you'll see that everything starts dark and sort of slowly fades into into white And um, so in part, the stories are arranged so that I could do that with the illustrations, but there's also a certain logic to it. It goes from the very earliest story, the Poe, and the last story in the book is by Ray Bradbury, who is not chronologically the youngest or most recent of the writers, but the story is set in the year 2026, and so... um, (laughs) <laughs> it, it concerns a post-atomic blast world, and so the whiteness is—it's uh, all sort of so white that it's obliterated. <laughs> um, I mean, none, none of it's light in the sense of um, uh, sentimental or or lovely, but there are some stories that are very funny.
0: When you say light, so then when you came around to to do the Bradbury illustration, is that then? Uh, you're suggesting it's also very light like the lines are lighter than the other images that you would have started off with with Poe is that what you mean by the visual going to the light
1: if you were able to lay out all the illustrations next to each other and in order um, the Poe illustration is almost completely black with white lines the Bradbury is almost completely white with black lines so I'm I'm being very literal here
0: it's
1: it's literal whiteness and (laughs) blackness
0: okay now I'm I'm assuming that you chose a lot of these based on the high quality of the writing, the story, the things like that. But was there a piece that you chose for this collection, Ghostly, that really frightened you, something you couldn't shake?
1: All of them certainly have their moments. None of them are gory or particularly violent. They're all very domestic and kind of cozy. But there are very unsettling moments in most of them. Um, Neil Gaiman's story, Click Clack the Rattle Bag, has a moment where you suddenly realize what is actually going on and, and just kind of uh, pulls you up short. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Link, there's, it's, it's the best spooky babysitter story in the world. And um, when the dad comes home and you've you suddenly pulled out of this kind of dreamy, quality that the story's fallen into and you think, oh my gosh, the dad is home, oh no. And <laughs> there's just there's just moments like that in, in many of them where you've been kind of happily paddling along in, in the logic of the story and then suddenly something happens to, to throw you out of it and make you realize what is going on.
0: Right, I think that's very interesting. You say the the spooky babysitter story, and but it's dad coming home that's more frightening. I would have my immediate reaction was, oh, the babysitter is the frightening figure in this, but it's the father coming well, home. Well, the-, the
1: the babysitter and the twins get into this kind of game that they're playing, and nobody's especially upset. But then you realize that when the dad gets home, he's going to be very. Very unhappy Mm -hmm. indeed. Um, And, you know, the problem with talking about these stories is that there's so many spoilers. Right, yeah. I I don't want to ruin anything for anyone.
0: So, what attracts you about uh, the ghost stories, you say, as a a genre? I mean, you've written uh, several, and uh, what is there that you say I like, uh, that you like about the genre that, you know, keeps you coming back to it?
1: As a writer the thing that unifies quite a bit of my work is that I write about loss and longing. Um, I didn't realize this for a long time until um, at some point someone um, at a reading (laughs) put her hand up and said, so you write about loss all the time and why is that? And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I, I went home and thought about it and realized that that is the main thread that runs through things. And, the ghost story by definition is about some kind of loss. I mean, the ghost has lost something or someone has lost a loved one who might become a ghost. There's there's all these permutations and and also often a kind of wistfulness and separation. And it has always a lot of obstacles and difficulties built into it because someone is dead, but they're not happy about that. They're not going to put up with that. They're going to, you know, move the furniture around or, you know, there's a ghost in the Edith Wharton story, Pomegranate Seed, that's writing little pale letters to her husband who's remarried and the ghost isn't happy about that. So there's there's always there's a always sense of um, the finality of things and someone in the story is just not going to settle for finality. They're going to try to have the last word or somehow affect the world even though they're dead
0: mm-hmm. is there is something you that you think that that says about you as a writer uh that that you're 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 interested in in loss um when you said you went home and you thought about it, and you said yeah that's that may be me but have you i'm, I'm sure as a writer where there, you're always sort of working through things in your head and contemplating it what does that mean to you as a as a person or as a writer
1: um in a way people who know me would probably say well my goodness you know it's it's an odd theme for someone who hasn't experienced a lot of death um i'm i'm lucky in that my parents are both still gruven and um i i don't have at this juncture in my life, I don't have a lot of people that I've lost. I mean, relative to the average person who's 52 years old, I think I've been very lucky. But for me, as a as a theme, it's interesting because it is inevitable. And it's death and loss and, and you know, the loss of love as well as the loss of life. There are things that we all do... Come to sooner or later. Um, I mean, unless you and the object of your affections somehow manage to expire at the very same moment, one of you is going to have to outlive the other. And right. there's just something about this that is um, very resonant. It's it's everything that we experience, even the most ordinary day is is sort of perfect and precious in light of the fact that we're all mortal.
0: Final question. Which piece in Ghostly, a collection of ghost stories, your anthology that's coming in now, which piece that you didn't write would you have been most proud to have written?
1: Oh, that is a tough, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a number of pieces that I very much admire and would be happy to have managed to have produced. Um, just just for the sheer gorgeousness of the writing, um, Kelly Link's story The Specialist had is perhaps the one I would choose. But uh, there's a young writer in the collection, um, a story not published anywhere before. Um, her name is Amy Jacqueline, and the story is Tiny Goat.
0: Generally, this is the point in the interview where I thank the person for talking to me, and we end, interestingly... The last moment you heard was the last moment that the audio recorder recorded. Perhaps this was a simple glitch with my recording equipment or Audrey Nivenager's ghosts took over my machine. The only way you'll know for sure is to see her when she comes to Columbus November 11th with the Thurber House. Get more information at www.crafttheshow.com. Until next time, be creative and watch out for ghosts.